Replay, Profit from Business, The Value of Understanding Your Numbers with Brooke Lively, episode 292. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, Introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to another amazing guest interview here on the Profit with Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and I have a treat for you because this is the Profit with Law podcast. And I've got somebody who's going to be talking to us about profitability. And that excites me to no end, not just because I'm an accountant and I geek out on numbers, but also because this is a topic that is not talked about enough. And you guys are afraid to hear it. Um, You're afraid to even think about numbers, but it is what is going to allow you to grow your business, to be able to be the law firm you want to be. So we cannot shy away from the numbers conversation. We have to learn how to talk about it. We have to learn how to understand it. And that's why I'm excited with what we're going to cover today. And I've got um, Brooke Lively for you. Now, let me tell you just a little bit about Brooke. Uh, she recently came into my world. I didn't know her. I don't know her for very long. Didn't know her before our initial phone call before this interview. Um, but I do love what she's doing. And I also love the way that she's going about it. So uh, I was excited when she said yes to come here on the show. And I really appreciate the time that she's giving us. And hopefully um, she's going to uncork and unleash all that amazing information for you. Um, first of all, she's an author. Uh, her book is From Panic to Profit, How Six Key Numbers Can Make a Six-Figure Difference in Your Law Firm. We're going to link that up in the show notes. Go to Amazon and buy it. So support uh, Brooke in that way. But also, um, I'm sure it's an amazing read. And I'm going to be reading it. And I invite you to do the same. Uh, now, uh, Brooke is the CEO and founder of Cathedral Capital, a team of CFOs and profitability strategists who help entrepreneurs turn their companies into profitable businesses. After earning her MBA in investments and corporate finance, Brooke built a seven-figure company in under two years. As a chartered financial analyst, CFA, she and her team work with Hall of Famers, Inc. 5000 businesses, CEOs, and small business owners with expertise in growth management, creative problem solving, and profitability strategy. Brooke has been named the top 25, named in the top 25 women to watch and Fort Worth's 2016 CFOs of the year. She's a highly regarded speaker and the author of several books. Her most recent, From Panic to Profit, How Six Key Numbers Can Make a Six-Figure Difference in Your Law Firm, is an Amazon international bestseller. Now, Brooke and I have a connection she doesn't even know. Because right now, my daughter, Goldie, is working in Houston, Texas. So you guys are in the same state. You're closer to my daughter than I am right now. So for that, I am um, excited that we, I, I'm, I'm actually like feeling like I'm reaching my daughter through this microphone, which is really cool. Uh, but I'm going to bring Brooke on in just a moment. Before that, I'm going to cut to uh, some information of some of our sponsors, folks, show them some love, check out their stuff. We don't bring on sponsors that don't have something of value for you. Uh, And I'm super excited to share that with you. So here we go. Finding amazing employees is the toughest job for any business and especially for a law firm. You deserve to be the law firm owner you've always wanted to be, but you can't get there without a great team. Get Staffed Up helps you build your all-star team by staffing your law firm with incredible full-time offshore virtual assistants. Work with Get Staffed Up to save money and your biggest resource, time, while they find you the best English-speaking VAs in the world. Hashtag delegate your way to freedom. To learn more, go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash get staffed up. Profitwithlaw.com forward slash get staffed up. 
Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior virtual receptionist service for small businesses. They specialize in working with solo and small law firms. I discovered Smith AI a couple of years ago and was blown away by the range of services, which are available at a cost any attorney, even those of you in the smallest solo practice can afford. Their friendly receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for consults. The best part is they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on websites and via text message. If there's one growth hack to your practice, this is it. Smith's friendly gatekeepers can staff your front lines. They'll capture new leads while you work uninterrupted. You can finally have the peace of mind that while you're working, you're not missing out on future work. Plans start at just $210 a month for calls and $140 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like Justy Nickel in Colorado say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth and client happiness. Smith AI offers a free trial and podcast listeners can get an extra $100 discount with promo code ProfitLaw100. That's ProfitLaw100. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say, don't let another day go by. Try Smith AI. And we are back. Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. And really, the thanks goes to you. I know that time is extremely valuable uh, and your knowledge is valuable, um, but you're going to share it freely here with us. um, And I really appreciate you doing so. Before we get started, um, people always, you know, they're imagine right now somebody's out for a run, they're on their Peloton, they're taking a shower. I mean, they're just like, they're doing their thing and they're listening to this podcast, right? And they're like, who the heck is this person, Brooke Lively, right? I gave you this nice introduction, but they want to know the real you. So give us the broad strokes. Tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and, and let our audience know, um, you know, who they're going to be listening to for the next 30, 45, 60, two hours, uh, you know, whatever minutes. You said seven. We were supposed to do this for right. seven hours. That's right. Marathon. You know, funny story, because I'm going to let you talk in just a second. Um, there's a guy, Tim Ferriss, you may have heard of him. He wrote a book called The Four Hour Work Week, and then a lot of books after that. Um, and he's very well known for that book, The Four Hour Work Week. So I read his book, really liked his, his content. Um, I don't know if you saw Tool of the Titans, his, you know, his tools, tools for the Titans or whatever it's yep. called. But that book is like, that's a weapon. You know, you carry that around and you can like, you can, you can stop a mugging with that, um, with that book. But anyway, I, I said, well, let me check his podcast out. I'm a podcast listener. And he, he had a show that literally went for two and a half hours. And like, he's sitting with his guest and drinking wine and they're talking about the wine that they're drinking. And, and I was like, oh my goodness, like who has two and a half hours to listen to this? I mean, there was content in there, but it was like, it would, for me, it just wasn't the right fit. And I couldn't imagine ever having a show that goes for that long. So seven hours, eh, we're pushing it. But anyway, let's <laughs> let's go back and, and find out who you are. All right. Do you what do you want to know? Do you want to know the personal stuff? Like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. I'm single. Like, I'm not married. I have this weird thing, and this is really kind of funny. So virtually every guy I've ever dated has been a left-handed lawyer. Um, the guys I dated in high school grew up to be a left-handed left-handed lawyers. And this obviously is not working for me. I'm still single. I had a federal judge in DC tell me I needed a better class of friends. Right. I have a weird lawyer. The right-handed lawyers. There you go. That's what I need. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I live in Texas. I, um, until recently had a dog named Katie who I love to spoil. And uh, my biggest goal right now is I love to travel. And the last time I renewed my passport, I got the big one, you know, the one with the 10 extra pages. So that's right. 40 extra countries. Um, yeah. Let me tell you, the whole pandemic did not do much for my goal of filling up that passport. But that's who I am personally, professionally. Um, I started my company kind of by accident. I was running my family's seven-figure law firm. And we hired someone to help us with sales and marketing. And um, his client started coming to me and saying, can you do for my firm what you're doing for your family? 
And that was the moment where I realized that lawyers don't like numbers and they weren't looking at data to make decisions. And so that's when CAFCAP started and we help law firms make data-driven decisions to become more profitable. Love it. Love it. I'm going to go back to your passport. So, um, <laughs> so I was looking for it. Normally it's sitting right by me, but I think I left my purse at, the, at home today, but well, it I does do, ride around I in my purse 24 seven. I do believe you, but I, you know, one thing that, that it reminded me of is it really bugs the heck out of me when they open your passport to a random page and they stamp it and they don't go in order. So like you can't have, you don't, you don't have your trips like, okay, I went here, I went there, I went there. It's just like, okay, opened up to a random page and there, you know, there's Israel open to another page and boom, there's, you know, it's just, to me, it's, you know, it frustrates the heck out of me, but they're just doing their job. It cracks me up when they open it and they start reading where you've been. I'm like, does it matter where I've been? Just stamp my passport. Now maybe going into Israel places, then maybe you're a spy. You know, like I, maybe I am. Maybe I, yes, I am a, a spy. 007 going on that's, there. That's why I go to London all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I have been known, and this is really funny, and you can't do this anymore. I would change planes in London, and you don't have to go through immigration if you're just in transit. Oh, no. I would leave security, I would go through immigration and then go back into security just so I could get that stamp. But now the UK doesn't stamp Americans coming in. So I don't know what I, I don't know how I'm going to fill up this book. Well, at some point it's going to go digital and then you're going to have a real problem. So, um, and, and, and you're not even, I don't know, I don't know what, what it'll end up becoming, but they're going to know where you are based on the phone you have in your hand, or I don't know, implanted chip or something, but, um, (laughs) we're, we're, we're getting, we're getting away from, from passport books at some point. Probably. It'll be a All sad right. day. You you have a book and From Panic to Profit, which I love that that title, right? Um, because I'm, who, who doesn't relate to the panic um, and who doesn't want profit? So I really love the title. But then you say how six key numbers can make a six-figure difference in your law firm. I would love to know what are those six key numbers? So I was asked, I was in a meeting one time. And the person running the meeting said, if you were on a fabulous like desert island with a five-star resort that had no internet, no TV, no phone, no contact, and there once a week, a supply boat comes and it drops off new guests and it picks up departing guests and your week is coming to an, an end, what three pieces of information would you want the captain of that boat to give you to make a decision about whether you could stay another week or not? And I was like, oh, wow. Like what would those three pieces of information be? So I took it back to my team and we worked for a while, years, and we talked about it. Is it three? Is it five? Is it 20? Is it two? Is it predictive? Is it backwards looking? What is it? And we finally came up with, with six, um, four that are forward looking, And two that look backwards that help you get back on track. And um, we feel like if the captain of the boat gives you those six key numbers, that you will know enough about your business to be able to make a good decision. So you want to hear the numbers? Stay another week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude, I'm totally staying another week. (laughs) So the first one, and I think everybody is aware of this one. First one is cash and it's your cash flow forecast. How much cash are you going to have at the end of the week for the next six to eight weeks? And you want to look out and you want to look forward because, you know, if you are trying to run payroll and you don't have enough money and it's six hours beforehand, there's not a lot you can do. Six days, you can do a little bit more. Six weeks, if you know there's going to be a cash crunch with payroll six weeks out, you have all kinds of options. So the first one is, is cash. The second one we look at is, is we start looking at your production. You want to know your work in progress. How much whip do you have? And the reason we look at whip is because this month's whip is going to get billed out on the first of next month. 
and becomes next month's revenue. And there's nothing better than that moment in the month where you look at your whip and you should be looking at your whip report once a week. When you look at your whip report and you're like, I have more money in whip than my monthly nut, you know, those expenses that it takes to keep your firm running. And from that point on, you know, that all the work that gets done is money that's going straight in your pocket. So the third one, um, we, th we thought we need to look at marketing and sales. And what is that one number there? And it's sales calls. You know, how many sales calls are booked? Because most attorneys can tell you, all right, so if I go in, my conversion rate is blank. I guarantee you your conversion rate's not 100%. I know all kinds of guys like to say, oh yeah, the conversion rate's 100%. It's not, but okay, whatever. So um, by looking at your sales calls that are booked, you can figure out how many clients you're going to have next month. And next month's clients are the month after's revenue. So all of this is about predicting our revenue. Um, the last forward-looking number is we thought we need something around case management and, and your people. And so we settled on net new cases. And net new cases is the number of people that hired you minus the number of people whose cases you finished. So it's how many... Like, have you increased your open cases or not? And the reason we like this one so much is because it starts to inform how much staff you need and when you're going to need them. So if you know that an attorney can handle 40 cases at any given time and your net new cases is 10 per month, you've got four months until you're going to need another attorney. And so it tells you, and it's predictive, and it's looking out, and it's giving these four numbers that we've talked about, give attorneys the ability to see a decision coming and be prepared for it and, and think about it. Now, there are two that help you get back on track. So the first one is budget versus actual. And I know I can, I can hear you all rolling your eyes right now about budgeting, but it's the budget versus actual report. And it helps you know if you're on track, but, you know, what's that goal? And I think about like NASA and they shoot a rocket off to the moon and they don't just put the coordinates in and never check to see if it's on track. They're constantly checking and recalibrating. And that's what your budget versus actual does for you. And then the last number is I think probably the most important number and that is your owner compensation. What percentage of revenue are you getting as, as owner comp? Are you being fairly compensated for the work you're doing, but also the risk you're taking as the owner of the law firm? Because you take a lot of risk, right? Yep. So those are the six numbers that we really look at. Awesome. Uh, I was taking notes and putting some questions down that I wanted to ask you. The third one, was that the number of leads? What was, the, what was that number? Sales again? calls it, booked. Sales calls booked, right. Okay. Yeah, because that, that'll tell you. Most people know what their conversion rate is in the room in a sales call. Mm -hmm. So let's say it's 85%. You have 10 clients. You have 10 sales calls booked. That means you're going to have eight and a half clients because we're going to split one in half. So you've got eight and a half clients coming on next month or this month. And so that will inform how much revenue you have the month after. Awesome. All right. I want to, I want to take a step back because one of the things that you shared is that you need to know your whip and oh. um, because you bill monthly and you need to know what's, you know, the work in progress so that you can um, so you know, what's, what's going to be coming in now. This is something that actually bugs me about the legal industry. And I wonder if you have an opinion on it. Oh, I have if lots I go, of opinions. If I go to, to the vet with my dog yeah, um, and he's got an ongoing problem right now, he's got hypercalcemia and we're there all the time. Every time I bring him, they bill me for that visit and they charge me for that visit on, and I pay for it, right? Uh -huh. It doesn't matter that I'm going there 14 times during the month. They don't keep a running balance and then bill me at the end of the month. 
I go to the doctor, same thing. Right. They bill me for the visit, their time yep. spent, their tests taken, whatever it is. Only in the legal industry, I mean, you look at any industry, they're billing their clients for the work done when it's done. Um, the only thing I could think of is maybe construction, where it's a major construction project, and then there, but then there's there's milestones where that those funds get released. It's not based on oh, this is the work we did this month, so this is what we're going to bill you for. Now, it might have something to do with it with with hourly billing or whatever, but I have found that with clients that I work with, solving some their cash flow issues sometimes is as simple as changing the way that they invoice their clients and the way that they collect money. Um, I and it, wholeheartedly it boggles, agree. boggles my mind that somebody wants to wait a whole month to send their client an invoice to get paid. And honestly, that's when your client gets surprised because they didn't know that they were accruing this over the month. They, you know, they, they get sticker shock because it's all in one invoice. Um, and now they have to figure out how they're going to come up with it with no advance warning that, oh, you're going to be hit with a $6,000 invoice and you have to come up with it. Or we just depleted your retainer and we're not continuing until you replenish your retainer, however you're set up. Um, so to me, that work in progress number makes a lot of sense, but only within the confines of the way that most law firms run right now which I think is a broken model to begin with. What do you well, thought? There are parts of that that I agree with. There are parts of that that I might take a little bit of issue with. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely agree that giant bill at the end of the month is, is shocking. And there are things that you can do to mitigate it. So first of all, um, if you have a case that is accruing a whole bunch of fees, bill twice a month. Because that way they're getting it in smaller chunks. They know how they're doing. It's not as big of a deal. Um, you mentioned the retainer. So when I talk about getting a retainer, can, can we just talk about collecting money in general? Can I go into oh, my yeah, whole absolutely. Let's money talk collecting, collecting thing? All right. So can we just, can we start with, hey, hey, listen, no offense to our listeners, attorneys suck at collecting money, and this is something you should pay attention to. Go ahead. Yes. All right. So first of all, um, in 20, well, in 2020, they did it too. So Clio every year does a report on kind of the state of the legal industry. Mm -hmm. And they said that the average collection rate for attorneys in the US is 86%. I think that is total BS. There is no stinking way the average collection rate is twin, is 86%. And I've talked to a bunch of other people. We're thinking maybe they're including um, contingency attorneys who have a 100% collection rate. I don't know. Somehow that's inflated. A, a more realistic collection rate is somewhere between 75 and 80%. And a lot of attorneys think this is just the cost of doing business. It's not. Let's put this in perspective. If your collection rate is 75%, that is like a car dealership selling three cars and giving the fourth one away for free. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I totally want to be that fourth customer. Right. Um, absolutely. If it's 80%, that's like hauling your team in four days a week to work, to get paid. And on the fifth day, you're hauling them in for absolutely no reason. And I promise you, your team would rather have a four day work week and have a three day weekend then know that they're working every single Friday for absolutely no reason. So um, there are some things you can do to increase your, your collection rate. And I believe I, I'm going to jump in for one second. Cause you're going to, you're going to talk about the solution and I'm, I, I'm still on the problem. All right. So you're let's, still on let's, the problem. let's go, let's go back for a second because it, the problem starts before collection. The right? problem starts when you meet a client. Well, the yes. day, the first time you meet the client. Yes, but that's not the problem I'm referring to. So um, when you go to invoice your client, law firms have this tendency to look at the work that was done and make these decisions about whether or not it should have taken that long. And they start chopping time yeah. off before the invoice gets generated. Yeah. Then the invoice gets generated, client gets it, client gets sticker shock, client complains, client says, I can't believe you're charging me for this. This phone call was your fault. This thing was, you know, and before mm -hmm. you know it, they, they chopped another 20, 25% off. 
then you get to the collection problem. Then you get to the point so, where how do I collect the money? Here's the thing. I'm, I am going to, to say, yes, you're right. Attorneys look at their at, at bills and they, they cut them, which really they shouldn't do. You did the work, you should be compensated for it. But I'm going to go back to what I was saying. AR is created the first time you meet a client. And it's created because you don't set expectations. You don't set expectations about how you're going to bill. You don't set expectations about how you're going to collect money. You don't set expectations about the cost of, of this endeavor that the client is taking on. Um, and you're right. They should continue to have that conversation throughout the process. Um, so my family's law firm is a litigation firm. There's some very natural breaks. And I really encouraged all the attorneys every time they kind of got through with the stage to sit down with the client and say, we have spent this much. We're going to spend at least that much, if not more, to get through the next stage. Are you sure you want to move forward? So that they can make an, so that the client can make an informed decision. But when we go back, to that sales call. When we go back to that first time you meet a client, that's when you put expectations in place. And there's some things you can do that help the client not to go off the rails. So the first one is to get an initial retainer. And your initial retainer should be equal to the first three months of work. In most cases, most, I mean, most matters, the first three months are very billing intensive. Get that in advance. And you do it for a couple of reasons. But one of the reasons that I think would apply to you the most is that starts to set the expectation of how much this is going to cost. We're not getting a $2,000 retainer for a case that, have, that is going to cost $150,000 because you're not setting up realistic expectations. It's going to cost $50,000 in the first three months. We need $50,000 up front. And that starts a dialogue with your client that's really good. Um, the second thing we do is you have an evergreen retainer. So that initial retainer was $50,000. And you're going to have an evergreen level at, let's say, $30,000. Because that's what the average three months, that's what a, that is three times an average month in that next stage of the case. So again, it's setting that expectation. It's keeping enough money in trust. The client understands what they're getting into. Um, I also talk about having a stop work policy, but the other thing is getting a credit card and taking payment out of the client's hands. So we say that you should build the client on the first and on the 10th or the 11th, you charge their card or draft their bank account to keep them in compliance with their fee agreement. So again, it's like, this is what's going to happen. We also have done things with clients that we have set up the initial retainer, the evergreen retainer, but then we'll also set up another retainer that's like a litigation retainer. And they put $500 a month in it the entire time. And that just grows so that there's not that last minute, oh my gosh, we're going to trial. We need $10,000 out of you, which towards the end of the case, clients don't necessarily have. Right. So yes, there are things we can do. You can bill more often, bill every other week. Um, that helps. But I think a lot of it really is communication with your client. Are you talking to them? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, I, I love what you shared. I think the biggest thing, if we look at why are attorneys doing this, right? Um, attorneys, for some reason, are assuming that if they're real with the client about the total bill that they're going to be facing or how much they really need to put into retainer, that they're going to lose the client. And I think that that's exactly the point. That right? is exactly want, the point. We don't want to get a client at all costs. We want to get a client who actually wants to spend this amount of money to get this matter resolved. You know, when I went through my divorce um, and all I brought the attorney on for, like initially I had him look at a, a separation agreement that we had done through mediation and I had him review it to decide 
is this covering me? Is there any holes in this that I need to be worried about? Ultimately, you know, to, to his credit or not, or whatever, um, he said, well, there's, you know, obviously this was not written by somebody who's familiar with the, co- with the law here, the in law. The county, like the way, the way it's, the way it's, it's done here in the County. And it doesn't, you know, it's missing this, it's missing this, it's missing this. It needs to be rewritten. Here's the crux of what you had. We'll rewrite it for you. Went to, went back to my my ex and said, you know, my attorney said this and this and this, and she's like, you got an attorney, I'm getting my attorney, and then you know, and and it became this thing, but ultimately it should have just been taking what we had already agreed upon, getting it written the right way, having both parties sign it, we walk on our merry way. I don't know why twenty thousand dollars later, I still wasn't divorced. You know, but that was my experience with 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 that attorney. Now, had he told me when we started, look, this is going to be twenty thousand dollars to get you from start to finish. You need to do it. But this is what it's going to cost. I would have been able to go as a consumer and say, I need to I need to look at other options because, quite frankly, I don't have twenty thousand dollars to do that. And there's not anything that we're fighting over that's worth twenty thousand dollars. Right. I will say the only person that wins in a divorce is the attorney. Finding amazing employees is the toughest job for any business and especially for a law firm. You deserve to be the law firm owner you've always wanted to be, but you can't get there without a great team. Get Staffed Up helps you build your all-star team by staffing your law firm with incredible full-time offshore virtual assistants. Work with Get Staffed Up to save money and your biggest resource, time, while they find you the best English-speaking VAs in the world. Hashtag delegate your way to freedom. To learn more, go to ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash get staffed up. ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash get staffed up. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior virtual receptionist service for small businesses. They specialize in working with solo and small law firms. I discovered Smith AI a couple of years ago and was blown away by the range of services, which are available at a cost any attorney, even those of you in the smallest solo practice can afford. Their friendly receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for consults. The best part is they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on websites and via text message. If there's one growth hack to your practice, this is it. Smith's friendly gatekeepers can staff your front lines. They'll capture new leads while you work uninterrupted. You can finally have the peace of mind that while you're working, you're not missing out on future work. Plans start at just $210 a month for calls and $140 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like Justy Nickel in Colorado say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth and client happiness. Smith AI offers a free trial and podcast listeners can get an extra $100 discount with promo code ProfitLaw100. That's ProfitLaw100. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say, don't let another day go by. Try Smith AI. Um, um, but this is not about knocking divorce attorneys. My point no, is, that's my what it costs to do it. That, my point is, is that you are absolutely right that this needs to be discussed up front, that the client needs to walk into this knowing what the price tag is going to be um, and understanding and making that decision so that there, it's not just about surprise. It's also about their ability to pay throughout. You know, if they're going to run out of funds after $5,000 and it's going to be 20, they need to know up front that they're going to run out of funds and either solve that problem or right. say, look, I, I need this, but I only have $5,000. What can that buy me? Right. And, and it is, it's about informed consent. Like, are they making the right decision for themselves? Are you setting realistic expectations? Are you really being an advocate for your client and saying, okay, here's the thing. You've got a document here that won't actually get you divorced in this county. 
here are some options. Here are some things that you're going to run into. It is probably going to cost about $20,000. You don't have that. Let's see how we can mitigate the cost. Let's see how we can help you. You know, there, you can go to, we tell our attorney clients, send your clients to NerdWallet. Because you can go to NerdWallet, you can get a loan really quickly and easily to finance your fees. Like help your client understand what it's going to cost and help them find the money. Right. We have a, a, a previous sponsor of the podcast, LawFunder. Go to lawfundar.com. LawFunder mm-hmm. has a payment plan solution where you basically are finding, they just have to have a credit card that has a credit limit high enough for the bill, bill that they're paying and they will automatically split it into four payments. So all they're doing is locking up the credit line, but they're not actually charging that, that amount. And, and they're, they're doing that over four payments and the, the attorney collects it up front with, yeah. with a fee. I think it costs you 5%, but, but now you're collecting the money up front. You have a solution for your client where they're in a payment plan and they don't have to figure out how to come up with it. And they don't have to start going through applications and loan applications and stuff like that. Um, right. So yeah, I definitely think that there are solutions that you can take. And really, you know, when, when, when you think about it, so this is about Clear communication. I love your terminology, informed consent. As a paramedic, we are yeah. not allowed. We're not allowed to treat a patient without them consenting, right? And that's the yeah. terminology that they use is this informed consent. They need to know what they're consenting to before they give you permission to do it. You know, like um, so the the idea of clear communication is really important, but I think also helping them find a way at, that does not require the law firm to take on the risk of being the client's bank. And I think Absolutely. that that's really where you're in the business of legal professional services. You are not in the business of loaning money to people who can't, you know, who, who can't, who don't have the cash. Right. And if you recognize that you're not a bank, then you can, you can learn to say no to a lot of the things you're saying yes to right now, because those are the things that a bank says yes to, except that you're not equipped to do a risk assessment like a bank is. I talk about that all the time. So AR is a loan you have made, and let's just say accounts receivable, money that's been billed that hadn't been collected. Um, you are loaning that money to your client out of your own pocket at 0% interest. And I promise you, your spouse really is not very excited about you doing that because you're loaning their money out. You're loaning the money to send your children to college. You're loaning the money to buy groceries, all of that out of your pocket at 0% interest. And Moshe, you're right. You're not a bank. You don't know how to assess the risk. So push that on to somebody else. Send them to, you know, Law Thunder. Send them to Nerd know, Wallet. Nerd Wallet. Send them somewhere <laughs> else, but don't do it yourself. Don't take it on because you don't, you don't know how to do that. And you're a lawyer. That's what you know how to do. Stick, stick to your lane. Um, yeah, I will go back to your divorce attorney. Uh-huh. There were some things he could have done a little better. Um, he could have said things like, now the moment you tell your soon-to-be ex that you have an attorney, she's going to freak out and she's going to go hire an attorney and then it's going to ratchet up. So here's some language that you can use. You know, things like that. So my, my father died recently and, and one of the attorneys in town came up to me at his funeral and said, your father was a true advocate for his clients. And, and I think having a conversation like that truly is advocating for your client. If they had said, okay, use this language with your soon-to-be ex, have her come in. I can take this and draft it into something that achieves what you guys want, representing both of you, which, you know, sign a waiver can be done. You would have had a much better experience, right? Because it would have cost you $5,000. And yeah. probably a lot less angst with your ex. 
Yeah, I just I, I just need a little time machine. Go back and do and and change that, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, to all the attorneys listening, are you really helping the client in the best way possible? And are you communicating in a way that they understand? And are you setting the expectations? And are you really talking to them about what can happen? That I can send this demand letter, and yeah, the demand letter is going to cost you three hundred and fifty bucks. But here's what follows and here's what can happen. And we can end up in court trying to litigate this. You know, we can non-suit it at any time as long as they don't make counterclaims. But if they make counterclaims, we can't non-suit. You know, what are the things that are going to happen? And does your client understand what non-suit means and, and what counterclaims are? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Look, I I think this is probably the biggest issue plaguing law firms right now, other than, I mean, like, if we look at everything you shared, hey, these six numbers you need to pay attention to and, and so on. Honestly, I think that it's less about being afraid of the numbers, and it's more about recognizing how much damage you're doing in the client relationship process by not having this stuff figured out. And I think that if we, if we couch it right, we're clear up front, go back to thinking about why is it that I am afraid to have this conversation with this client? Why is it that, because that's what it is, it's fear, right? What, right. So what am I afraid of? And I'm I afraid think of you- the client not retaining me. I'm afraid of the client saying, no, it's going to affect my close rate. Well, maybe my close rate is hundred percent because I'm lying to everybody, right? Because well, you're taking crappy clients. Well, and I think you're totally right. It, it is fear and it's fear that that client's not going to hire you. But here's the thing. If you have a 75% collection rate, let's go ahead and weed out that 25% in the beginning that aren't going to pay you and don't take them on as clients. And here's what happens. You have a lot more free time and you have the same amount of income because now a hundred percent of your clients are paying you. Right. And your team is off on Fridays. I mean, come on. Your team's off on Fridays. (laughs) Everybody wins. I love, I love that. I love that point that you make of your 75% collection rate, essentially, or uh, 80% collection rate. Essentially your team is working for free. Once a week. Yeah, I, once a week. I mean, when you couch it like that, that it really, it really hits home. I mean, that really ma- makes you realize what what you're up against. Or that's the difference between that's the difference between massive profitability and no profitability, right? Because yeah. if you think about the, that last twenty percent, all your expenses are covered. You're just eking out a profit. If you were able to collect that last twenty percent of revenue, how different would your life be? Well, and we talk about running law firms on the rule of thirds. So of the revenue, one third goes to pay people, one third goes to overhead, and one third goes to profit. So if your collection rate is 75%, okay, so we've got 25% that we're not collecting. You're only getting 33 as the owner. Where do you think we're going to cut? We're not going to cut, you know, your people, your overhead. What are you just not going to pay your bills? It's you that's not going to get paid. That's why we think that that, that the, um, the owner. I will say it another way. It's so important. It's 75% of your profit. Yeah. 20%. If you if you lose twenty percent of your collections and you do rule of thirds, it's seventy five percent of your profit. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. All right, so that's the that that's the first thing, and that's an easy one to solve, right? Because all we got to do is overcome our fear and not get in our own way, and be transparent with the client, and have set things, you know, evergreen retainer, um, a a realistic retainer, an evergreen retainer, uh, a, a, um, um, uh, a drip retainer for litigation. And on top of that, that drip retainer. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, well, I, so I'm a profit first professional. Are you familiar with profit first? Oh yeah. Mike wrote the quote for the front of my book. 
Awesome. So his book's right behind me over my right shoulder. Um, so uh, he was also a keynote speaker at the Law Firm Growth Summit. I'm a big fan of the Profit First system. But anyway, one of the, the accounts that they have in there is a drip account to, to, to put money away for uh, something that you are preparing for or for uneven income, stuff like that. So uh, that's where that drip um, terminology comes from. I didn't come up with it on my own. Uh, I'm not that creative. But um, solving the cash collection problem, which also will earn you many more stars in Google reviews, because now your clients love you because you actually told them what's going to happen. And that's what happened. Um, instead of them being feeling like they're at war with you every month when that bill comes. Um, so you've solved a lot of problems by going through that. Um, let's go back and dive into these, these other numbers. So um, one of the things that you said is this cash forecast is what is the process that somebody should use to have that six week forward looking cash forecast um, in their business? So it's pretty simple. And actually, Moshe, if you want, I am happy to give this to all of your listeners. We have a cash flow forecast um, that they can download and use for free. I am Jewish. When you use the word free, the answer is yes, I'm in. So, all right. So really quickly, because I'm going to have to have my tech people get this done, like in, in minutes so that it'll be oh, ready. This is not being sent out live. So you can okay. have them do it. You can have them do it after we finish recording. You have time. Don't worry. Um, just write it down and don't forget because we're going to publish it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to publish sure it there. All right. But, so it's usually calfcap.com forward slash profit with law. Profit with law is what you want. All right. So if you go to, um, I have to write this down because I will forget it. All right. Calfcap.com forward slash profit with law. You can download a spreadsheet. And, and what it is, is very simply, how much revenue do we think we're going to have? How much AR are we going to collect? Are we, um, are we using good retainer? Are we using, do we have good retainers? Are we using that process? Are we charging credit cards? Right, when is the money going to come good, in? If we have good retainers, then we don't have to guess on whether right. those bills we, will get paid, right? We absolutely look at our whip. We know how much is going to come in. We know when it's going to come in. Same thing with your expenses. And it, you know, in the spreadsheet, it makes a list of expenses and you put, you know, the date you pay it and the amount, there's also a tab for credit cards so that you can see, I mean, rent is due the first of the month, every single month that doesn't change. It's the same amount every month. So, you know, for the most part, law firms bills don't vary a lot. They're, they're right. pretty standard. So, you know, what happens in week one, week two, week three, week four, and um, your biggest you just, variant is your postage. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, you know, what is it? What's, are we going to have money this week or not? Are we going to have money in four weeks or not? You know, is this thing turning red and saying we're going to be negative? And that's huge. And it, it, it just gives you peace of mind to be able to, to move forward. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. So folks go download that spreadsheet. We're going to uh, link that up in the show notes um, and you can just click on it the, in the description of the podcast player or go to profitwithlaw.com. Um, and while the show notes and links are, are there for this episode, um, that's our, our cash. Um, the next thing you said is you got to be clear on what your work and process is, your whip. So is that the practice management software that's doing that? How, what kind of report are you looking to run there to, to know what your whip is? Yes, that is, um, that is your practice management software and you can find it in there. It's a standard report, run it every stinking week. Um, I like Monday mornings. Most of your software, you can actually program it to automatically email it out every Monday morning. Um, and this is a great thing. You can use it as like a fun carrot or you can use it as, you know, a stick to beat people. Um, I prefer to use it as a carrot, you know, look, you're a little behind, whatever, as a gatepost. We also, when I was 
when I was running my family's firm, we had this of counsel attorney who was a retired appellate judge. And the, the big joke was, Ooh, David outbilled you. And, and people are like, Oh yeah, no, that's bad. David outbilled me, but we made it funny. Right. And, and so use this and look at it every week. Okay. Awesome. Love that. Sales call booked. Sales calls booked. Is that a manual process that you're, that you're tracking? Like what yep. is that based off of calendar? Um, and I'm assuming sales call is what others would call a, a consult or something like that. Yep. Consult. Um, yeah. You're, so here's the thing. Everybody needs a dashboard. Um, if you've read Fireproof, mm-hmm. have you read Fireproof? The, the Jumbotron. The Jumbotron. That's right. Like they're, they're a great group. They're, those are fun guys. So, you know, what is it do you have? And, and everybody contributes numbers to it. And this should probably be your receptionist or whoever it is that's, that's booking sales calls. Just, you know, writes down the number of sales calls. You should be tracking those things. You should be tracking everyone who's contacting you, where they're coming from, whether they booked a sales call or not. I can go into this whole thing about conversion rates. Um, But, you know, that's a number that she should have pretty easily. Awesome. Um, So we went through cash, we went through whip, went through sales call book, sales calls book, net new cases, which you already gave us the formula for number hired minus number closed. So yep. that should also be able to be run and folks right out of your case management system. Oh my goodness. I, can I t- diverge for a second onto a little tangent here? You shouldn't be doing these things yourself. Oh gosh, no. Okay. So if you don't have a team member that's capable of doing this, I mean, literally go out to the Philippines and get somebody for like $2 an hour or no, no, no. To, you know, don't like- go to the Philippines. <laughs> Here's where you need to go. You need to go to get staffed up. There you go. Because they will hire you a full-time person who can actually do all these things for you. Yeah. And, and, and talking about Get Staffed Up for a moment. So first of all, two of my team members are through Get Staffed Up. I'm a big fan. They, these, are, these are rock stars. The people that you get from Get Staffed Up, they're not in this country, but they're in your time zone. They're English speaking, um, but they're educated people. My people have master's degrees, mm-hmm. but the amount that they're getting paid from Get Staffed Up is a lot for where they live. And they own their positions. They, I mean, they are rock stars. You get a 40 hour a week person for $1,850 a month. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. mind boggling. There is there, there, every single in-house team member that you have should have their own assistant on get stuffed from get stuffed up. Like that is how powerful it is to have these personnel in place. So thank you for bringing me back to, to one of our sponsors, but, um, <laughs> Well, I love Brett and what he's doing. It's a, it is a great company. Yeah. And, and it's so needed because one of the biggest things that stops us from hiring the next person is thinking about this massive salary and benefits and taxes and everything you have to deal with. This is such an easy solution to get the, to get your staff built up where ultimately you can, you, you could bring in the in-house people you want. You can, you know, but Right now, you just need someone else to do some of the work. So all these reports that you need to run, that this dashboard is what's going to make you thrive and be successful, have somebody in place to be running those reports for you so that every Monday you have everything in front of you to be able to, I mean, that Mike Morse talks about the Jumbotron and talks about knowing, knowing what score it is, knowing what inning it is. Um, I don't know if you follow uh, football, but Tom Brady um, really he got a lot of people making fun of him because at the critical point at the end of a game, he thought that it was, four, that it was third down and it was really fourth down and he gave over the ball. Um, that's, you know, this is, that's somebody who has been doing this for a long time is probably the most successful quarterback in the world. Yet he forgot to check his gauges, right? Yeah. He forgot to look up at the, at the sign on the sideline to see what down it was. Um, and that's how critical it is. Imagine the, the, the pilot who's flying your plane forgets to look at his instrument panel before making a maneuver or before going into right. land or whatever it is, right? You're going to fly into a mountain that way. Right. So you have to have a, a gauge, uh, you have to have controls that you look at, numbers that you look at to be able to know how fast you're traveling, what direction you're traveling. And it's like that in a business too. And that's why I love that you have honed this down into six easy things that you can use 
um, that really give you the picture that you need um, as a firm owner. Um, so cash, whip, sales calls book, net new cases, it's compiling reports, but you probably have to massage some of these to get it to, to look the way that you need to look so it, it makes sense. Figure that out and hand it off to somebody and let somebody Absolutely. else hear this for you every week so that you have it to, to look at, to measure and to run with. Um, so love that. Um, and then finally, you had budget versus actual, which is something that you can probably do right in your accounting software. Hopefully you're using accounting software and you have a bookkeeper that can produce that Scott, for yes. you. Hire um, a bookkeeper. Wait, can I, can I like jump on that soapbox for a second? Of course. But, I mean, but you better be you better be sending people to Dream Builder Financial, my bookkeeping and accounting firm, right? Yeah. You can talk. So here's the thing. I see, I, I talk to attorneys. They're like, well, you know, it only takes me a couple hours a, a week and, and I don't want to spend, you know, 500 or 1,000 or 1,500 or $2,000 a month. I'm like, okay. Takes you two hours a month. I mean, two hours a week. Yeah, probably that. It's not much time. I'm like, Mm-hmm. Your billable rate is three fifty, so that's seven hundred dollars a week. You're spending almost three thousand dollars a month for you to do it, and you're a crappy bookkeeper because you're an attorney and you didn't want to learn anything about numbers. That's why you went to law school. So, like, why do you think you are the right person to do this? You can push it off to somebody else who is more qualified knows what they're doing, can do it faster and will do it for less than the opportunity cost of you doing it. Because that is eight hours a month that you're not billing. Absolutely. Or, or having sales calls or having networking meetings or, you know, right. all the other value, th valuable things that you're doing. Absolutely. And honestly, I mean, let's get real for a second. If you're doing your own books, you're probably not doing your books. Right. You might say, oh, I do my own books. But the reality is, is that you hate doing it. So you push it off. You do it once every few months when you have to. And therefore, you have absolutely no idea what's going on in your business because you're not doing your book. So, um, you know, that that's what's really happening behind the scenes for most people. One of the things I like to share is um, Michael Hyatt, a uh, huge fan of Michael Hyatt. I hope I hope you, that you know who he is. But um, yeah. so he has a book called Free to Focus, and he talks about this idea of um, making sure that you're constantly working in um, the zone that you love to do and you're highly proficient at it. Mm -hmm. And he has this quadrant that he shows where um, the proficiency and, and, the, um, and the desirability is measured. And uh, he, he lays out this idea that when you are not proficient in something, but you love doing it, you're going to you're going to do it, but you're going to spend a lot more time than necessary doing it. When you are um, not uh, proficient, uh, when you're not when you don't desire doing it, but you're good at it. So like you love numbers, and you know, but you don't like, but you don't like. Um, uh, I'm sorry, you hate numbers. You, um, where was I? I was I was at. You're, you're proficient. You have you high have proficiency, proficient, but low you desire. You're it's really not something good you at, enjoy you're really doing. You're good at numbers, but you hate doing it, right? You're really good at numbers, but you hate doing it. Um, you're going let's turn this into a legal thing. You're, <laughs> you, you're really good at divorce, but you just can't take the emotional toll. So you're miserable doing it. How's that? Um, that works, but I, I want to bring it back to this bookkeeping example, right? Okay. So, so you're, so in that case, you're going to procrastinate doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're, where you don't like doing it, but you're good at it. You're going to procrastinate doing it when you don't like doing it and you're awful at it. You just won't do it. Yeah. Right. It just won't get done. And you have to recognize that that is the first zone that you need to outsource to somebody else, a team member, an outside contractor or whatever. So whether it's bookkeeping or whether it's making the coffee in your office, whatever it is, whatever falls into that zone should be the first thing you're looking to get off your plate because it's not gonna get done. And if it's something critical to the thrive, thriving practice that you're building, then 
you're going to be getting in your own way by holding on to that. And bookkeeping is a huge example of this because most oh. people fall into that little quadrant right there where they hate doing it. They're not good at it. Good so at instead it. of spending the time to figure it out and making sure it gets done or giving it off to somebody else, they just don't do it. And then they come to people like me and people like you and they say, help me because I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm can't seem to make any money. I can't seem to make payroll. I'm always borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. And that's all because you have no freaking idea what's going on. Yeah. I know an attorney in Chicago who lived that. He wouldn't give up his books, didn't want anybody else to do them. So he would sit down the week between Christmas and New Year's and he would create his books. He would take all the bank statements and everything. And he would put every transaction into QuickBooks. So, you know, January 1st, he had beautiful books for the previous year, which mm -hmm. may or may not have been totally accurate. Like the money in and the money out was, but you know, who could remember in December what that, you know, $300 charge was in February. And um, then he wouldn't do it again. And he had cash crunches and he never really knew where he was. And it caused a lot of stress. And I'm like, dude, that is an entire week that you could either be billing, be selling, or hello, hanging out with your family. With your family. <laughs> yeah. And his wife is sitting off. next to him as we're having this conversation, going, Yeah, yeah, she's right. We would rather have a vacation with you that week. And, you know, the cost is really so much lower than you think it is when you factor in these other things. Yeah, absolutely. And the truth is, is that you'll be shocked to know how little it can cost to have a bookkeeper do the, do your books for you. I yeah. mean, depending on the size of the firm, it can run anywhere from $250 a month to a couple of thousand, but you know, it, a small firm, um, it's, it's inconsequential in the big picture. Now it might seem like a lot of money if you're, if you really are tight with, with your resources, with your revenue, but honestly, part of the reason that you're in that position is because you're, you're still owning things like your bookkeeping. Um, well, and you're but, not looking at any reports because you, you have no live data to make decisions. So everything is a gut instinct. And, you know, while I am amazed at attorneys gut instincts, they, they really are kind of shockingly good. When you mm -hmm. make a decision off of an instinct, you make that decision over and over and over and over and over again. You make the decision, you verbally tell someone what the decision is at four in the afternoon, and then you're having dinner and you're going, Ooh, was that the right thing to do? I'm not so sure. And then you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, Ugh. and then you're in court the next morning and you're distracted because you're thinking about it. When you make a decision based on data, when you have data, when you have these six reports, when you're actually looking at your dashboard or your jumbotron or whatever you want to call it, you make that decision at four o'clock and then you don't have to think about it again because it was an informed decision. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, I think we're getting close to being out of time. Let me ask you, is there, I mean, we didn't go back to owner's compensation, but I'm pretty sure that that's the easiest thing for you to measure. How much am I paying myself? I think everybody knows that number. Um, so just put that down on paper and then you've got your, your six key numbers to look at um, and go and get Panic to Profit and read that book because, oh my gosh, this has been a great hour. So I can't imagine how awesome that book is to read. Um, and Brooke, when, when I finish an episode, I like to leave it with number one, tell people how to get in touch with you. What's the next step they can take if they really enjoyed this conversation. But number two, uh, what is the number one piece of advice that you would share with our listeners um, as we close this out uh, that they can take your parting wisdom and, and, uh, and run with um, and make a difference in their lives? Gosh, you know, that's hard. I, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn between starting with the first number, which is cash and really getting that under control. But I think what we've talked about today that is even more important is your fee agreement. Rewrite your fee agreement, have an initial retainer, have an evergreen retainer, have a drip retainer. If you need that take payment by credit cards, 
improving your collection rate will impact your business more than anything else you do. It does not create any extra work, maybe a little bit in the beginning until you, until you get, until your team gets comfortable with how replenishment works, but it doesn't take any more work and the benefits are amazing. Absolutely. Um, and fo- and uh, following up with you. All right. So uh, you can reach me, Brooke, at cathcap.com. Our company is called Cathedral Capital. Our URL is C-A-T-H-C-A-P.com. So uh, you can email me. You can go to our website. If you go to cathcap.com forward slash profit with law, you can download a um, cash flow forecast. I'll also throw in for your people a, um, a billing grid, which we didn't even talk about today, but if they want a billing grid. And then there's also um, on that page, there's a four-part free video course that you can take that talks about some of the stuff we've, we've discussed today, but goes into a little bit more depth on how to actually execute these things. Awesome. I love it. Brooke, uh, keep doing what you're doing. This is amazing stuff. Um, there can't be enough uh, people out there talking about the numbers side of the business. Uh, and I love the, the point of view and, and the, the, um, the way that you, that you attack and approach this. And, and I think that uh, people will have uh, really got some clarity that they might've been looking for in this interview. So thank you so much for, for sharing all of that with us. And folks, if this is your first time tuning in to the Profit With Law podcast and you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to count you as one of our regular subscribers. Just hit the subscribe button in your podcast player. You'll get notified the next time that we go live on an episode. We're here twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday is my solo episode day. It's just me behind the microphone sharing whatever's on my mind at the time. And then Thursdays, uh, I have a a guest interview uh, like Brooke. Uh, we we bring amazing people to to your ears, and um, honestly, the guest interviews are the best. You know, the best part of this podcast because it's not my opinion, it's not my thoughts, it's not what, what you know, um, whatever I'm coming up with on Tuesdays. But we're bringing in amazing people who every single one of them has their area of expertise that they're sharing with you. And you get enough of these and you really get all the information you can possibly need to be able to run the biggest, baddest law firm that you can think of. And that's what we're all about. We're, we're about helping you create the life that you want with the hours of work that you want to work, um, profit with law. That's what it's all about. So folks, can't wait to hear you, see you tune in again on Tuesday. I'll be in your ears. Um, Brooke, thank you very much for your time with us and have a great weekend. Thanks. Bye now. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.